Hello everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal or even extreme metal. Coming up on this week's show's news from Lacuna Coil, Evanescence and Poppy FIFA 333. Uh, there's new music from Blink-182, Baby Metal and Volbeat, as well as Hell Yeah, I should say. Uh, and reviews, that's what I was trying to think of, come from Radkey, Pup, Periphery and Open Mic this week. Mildly controversial is the debut album from Billie Eilish, which came out a couple of months ago. But we shall start with the news as ever. Uh, fairly sparse on the ground, Lacuna Coil have said that they are in the studio beginning work on album number 9. That will be follow-up to 2016's Delirium. And Evanescence frontwoman Amy Lee has spoken to SiriusXM, also saying that she hopes to get a new Evanescence out Evanescence album out sometime soon. She's looking at 2020. Uh, the weirdest bit of news that I had about a half hour before I press record was slightly eccentric YouTube personality slash musician Poppy has written a song with slightly eccentric post-hardcore rapcore behemoths. Uh, Phoebe333, not much is known so far. Um, she just spoke about it in brief at the 2019 Billboard Music Awards. But Poppy announced that she's got a song called Scary Mask and it will be released May 29th and will feature Fever 333. I am reservedly optimistic about that. So, I knew, I listened to a song by Poppy before. It was from her first album. It's called My Style. Very, very like electro poppy and weird, which is what, I've never seen any YouTube videos from Poppy, but from what I can tell, that is her whole aesthetic just being a bit kooky, which fair play to where it's got this far. In the follow-up, Am I a Girl, there's a lot more metal in there. But yeah, there's like a lot of new metal in there. I can't remember what song it was, but one of them was used for a NXT TakeOver theme, and it was... Pretty harsh on the ears, so I'm I'm intrigued. FIFA 333, working with someone like Poppy, I think, will be... It will just work really well, because she wants to expand out and be a bit heavier. They want to expand and be a bit more poppier, so I think those two together, it's going to work re- work really well. And we've got, was it 29th of this, mu- this month to hear that? Talk about yourselves. Yeah, 29th of May, we'll have... well. If nothing else, new music from Phoebe333, so I'm excited about that. Um, so yeah, that was it for the news. There is a bit of new music, though. First of all, we will look at Blink-182. They've got a new song called Blame It On My Youth. Uh, no album has been announced as of yet, and I uh, can't say I'm a fan of this, if I'm honest. Um, I remember way back when, <coughs> excuse me, when I wasn't coughing every 10 seconds. I remember when Neighbourhoods came out. It was their first album back as Blink-182 when they split up in 2005 and I remember in the aftermath that a lot of people kept harking on about how it sounds like too much of Angels and Airways from Tom DeLonge has seeped into what's meant to be a Blink-182 album and a lot of people reduced um, a lot of people reduced a lot of people were happy when Tom left and they brought in Matt Ski with Malkaline Trio and they got like a more pop-punk kind of sound which inevitably, inevitably became California. But this song, Blame Up My Youth, it's still got Matt, Tom and Mark. 
not Tom, sorry, Matt, um, Travis and Mark. And it's very summer pop rock, but it feels more like they've gone down the route of neighbourhoods. And if I'm being honest, it sounds more like uh, Simple Creatures, which is Mark's new project with Alex from All Time Low. Uh, a lot of people have, on their YouTube comments, have said how much they don't like it, which, if you're a fan of the band, you probably, you, well, you might not. It is uber poppy and not much punk in it, so I don't know. But it's out there. It's called Blame on My Youth. It's by Blink-182. Uh, do a Google. You can find it. That's how things work. And Baby Metal have another new song out there. Continue this new era without UE Metal. Uh, I'm describing it as speed metal with like drum and bass style drums. And the occasional really, really filthy bass heavy breakdown in sparse throughout. No album has been announced in full. Like details and names and such. But they are promising sometime this year, which has still got quite the way to go. Um, elevator song, uh, Elevator Girl, I do enjoy. I know I'm comparing it to Blink One Eight Two, which kind of polar opposites of the musical spectrum. But yeah, I dig it. We've got new albums announced as well. Volbeat have got a new album coming out this second of August. It's going to be called Rewind, Replay, Rebound. Quite impressed I got that right first time. There's Two so two uh, there we go, two songs announced already or released already I should say. You've got Parasite, which is not what a single person on God's green earth was expecting when they saw that Volby have a new song out. Um, yes, like I said, it's called Parasite. It is thirty-seven seconds long, and dare I say it's a bit of a pop punk song, like an out and out pop punk song. I saw someone in the YouTube comments compare it to Green Day, and it's actually kind of difficult to argue against that statement the second song though uh leviathan is a bit more volby it's a standard volby affair of injecting uh hard rock into literally anything kind of deal uh in this particular occasion it sounds like they're putting hard rock into a more traditional heavy metal feel like that ae style dual harmony kind of iron maiden sort of thing uh and as ever Michael Paulson does a great job on lead vocals. The choruses sound amazing. And yeah, new Volby on the horizon. 2nd of August, rewind, replay, rebound. Got it right twice. Um, and lastly, no music yet. I'm recording this on Thursday the 16th. New music will be coming out the 17th of tomorrow for me. Uh, hell yeah, I've got a funny name to the album that Rory Mayorga is potentially help helping out with. He's definitely helping out with the tour. It is going to be called Welcome Home. I think I saw a statement earlier basically saying as much as we care for Vinny and Roy's in no way replacing Vinny, he would kick the shit out of us if he saw us just like pack it in and not do it anymore. So yeah, new Hell Yeah album on the horizon. I th a lot of this is going to have Vinny Paul on there anyways. I think the big calling card will be if they want to continue on afterwards, which is down to them quite frankly. Um, but that's all the news and all like, the new music from this week. We're going to move on to album reviews. And first, Radkey. The album is called No Strange Cats P.A.W. It's a second proper album. Uh, they hail from St. Joseph, Missouri. And they play a very doomy, psychedelic version of Garage Punk. Uh, Rod Rodkey. Radkey popped up a few years back. And were initially recognised for talent beyond their years. Considering... I think all of them were in their teens at the time. The oldest one must be about 19. Um, yeah, Talent Beyond the Years for blending an old school garage punk kind of sound with more modern doom influences and like more psychedelic rock kind of stuff. 
And back then, it got, drew comparisons to Misfits, Bad Brains, and Ramones, and bands of that ilk. Um, their first ba- album, excuse me, uh, Dark Magic Makeup, which is also known as Delicious Rock Noise. This is where it gets a bit confusing, because Delicious Rock Noise is the same album as Dark Magic Makeup, albeit it came out a year later, different name, different artwork, it's got two extra songs. One of them is a cover of the Teen Titans theme song, so it's fucking great. Um, but yeah, since... Uh, the, well, the first album is fucking brilliant. Dark Magic Makeup, Delicious Rock Noise, whatever you know it by, it's fucking great. But since that album, the Radke Camp, which comprises of brothers Isaiah, Solomon and D, have been largely quiet. From what I can tell, they've pretty much spent the last three or four years just touring, which very punk rock. Um, even to the point where this, this is quite, this is a mini album, to the point where a lot of people are heralding it as an EP. Like, Radke themselves have labelled it as an album, so that's why I'm calling it that. But I found it purely by chance. I don't know why I was... I think I was transferring iTunes into Spotify, going through Radke then, and I saw that they had a new album out. Apart from that, I would probably have never ever realised until I got bored one day and figured out what happened to them. But here we are. First feelings are that the psychedelia parts of Radke's sound far outweighs the more doomy metal uh, kind of stomp, especially musically. I don't know how to describe the differences between like a doom metal and a more psychedelic sort of thing, but I feel like there is a difference that if you listen to, you, know, you compare two together, you can definitely tell, but I can't put it into words because I have a small brain. Um, but the, all those like psychedelic elements in there, it kind of creates like, I'm calling it like a romantic rock environment, and I'm comparing it to like Queens of the Stone Age sort of thing. So songs like St. Elwood, Junez, um, in particular, Basement, which is a fantastically cool rock and roll song. And just imagine if Queens of the Stone Age, Queens of the Stone Age were tasked to write a song for Misfits. It's very, like, still quite fast-paced and still got a ton of melody, but there is just, like, that really cool, easy, laid-back vibe to it at the same time. It's really really fun song um i don't like with misfits playing such a key part and how they radically are described those horror elements are still quite prominent lyrically again i talk about basement spiders as well the lyrics with um i think repeatedly just keep saying i just want to watch it die lyrics like that plus he's got really snarling punk delivery which is also heard on paw and i think overall They've been really smart opening it with PAW and Spiders because they are the more Radke-esque kind of sound from previous albums. That's a man with a small willy. Um, so yeah, people like myself who have gone in on Radke before will like ears will pick up because it's like a fairly familiar sound. And then when you get more into it, it does have this more maturing sound that admittedly i didn't find like i wasn't quite in on it at first it took me a while to get there it's not quite immediate at all but this melodic melodic classic punk sound that they're cultivating is quite remarkable i've i've come to really it wasn't until picking apart songs like okay i want to keep that one in my like phone playlist or whatever it wasn't until doing that when i realized that actually this album is just brilliant um and i'm 
kind of sad that it's only it's seven songs long and it's just shy of 20 minutes so could have easily done with a few more in there to get up to that half hour mark but this is what they want to go for who am i to judge uh sonically if you like this go for we talked about them a lot misfits uh band i found in like looking for radkey called plague vendor i can see a lot of crossover there and in regards to like a melodic punk kind of sound I'm throwing di Social Distortion in there as well. So Misfits, Plague Fender, and Social Distortion. Go for any of them. Go for Radkey. Go for their... It is definitely a second album. Okay, if anyone says, No Strange Cats, P-A-W, and that is out. New. No. Album number two for us then is album number three for a band called Pup. Uh, they hail from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, they play a very, very, very good version of punk rock, and the album is called Morbid Stuff. It is their first album on their newly formed DIY label, Little Dipper, which I believe is in association with Rise Records. And it is the very first, pop of the very first band I ever saw live. Like, proper band I ever saw live. Um, they, it was Pure Love's Farewell Gig, the former band of Frank Carter, now of Frank Carter and Rattlesnakes. Um, played a farewell show, farewell show in the platform in Lincoln. And Pup was supporting, and the iconic bit i remember from that is stefan saying hey thanks for pure love for taking us out we're pop and we're from canada and someone who's probably had a few too many at this point just screamed at the top of his lungs canada at which point stefan just looked at him like yeah canada that's that's us hockey and shit it was great doesn't sound like much but it was fun as fuck and then frank climbed upside down which is story for another day um in between all that and the actual output punk punk pup are quickly garnering a reputation for being one of the most consistently brilliant punk rap, punk acts out there um although both the debut self-titled and the follow-up the dream is over can be described as like indie and post-hardcore influenced rock like on paper they are quite easy to put down because indie and post-hardcore such like expansive genres pup can and are doing so much with like all those descriptors and the story and the law accruing behind Pup and their subsequent albums is becoming just as interesting as the Bound's output. The title here refers to a conversation that the frontman Stefan Babcock had with his doctor, who just before the release of The Dream Is Over basically told him that he wouldn't be able to sing anymore. I believe it's because he had some kind of cyst. Um, and yeah, that's what led to The Dream Is Over being called what it was. And then, and that was meant to be their go home album. We were only meant to have two albums from Pup, and they were gonna sail off into the distance, or I guess maybe get a new frontman. Well, I don't know. That's story for them to tell. Um, yeah, meant to be the go home album, but one new prognosis later, and Pup have soldiered on and are still horrifically cynical as fuck, and I am all about that. Uh, straight off the title track. Or from the offs, I should say, on the title track, Morbid Stuff is just in your face with such a dark and bleak outlook delivered in this big, anthemic, punk rock kind of way. Um, even lead single, uh, Kids, musically it taps into like the emo ethos of being so light and warm and welcoming musically. But lyrically, the, there's a line which is, I've been navigating my... I've been navigating my way through the mind-numbing reality of a godless existence, which at this point in my hollow and vapid life has erased what little ambition I've got left. Ugh! That's so bleak and unhappy, and I love that. 
Um, it's wall-to-wall, these kinds of lyrics. It's not celebrating his second chance of being a frontman at all. It's it's not celebrating the fact that Pop have pretty much gone, you know what, fuck you guys, we're going to make our own records, so we can do whatever the fuck we want from now on. Instead, you've got Stefan going on about the unhealthy relationships he's had and like in, throughout his past, nihilism, self-loathing, um, and lines like, just because you're sad again doesn't make you special. In the UK right now, it's been Mental Health Awareness Week. And it is so on the nose. And I, again, I just think it's fucking superb. Musically, it just never stops. Uh, Pop never seems to be one of those who just do a basic song. It's never just like, it's it's hard to acapella punk rock. But you know exactly what punk rock sounds like. It's, oh, there's always something going on. There's always, it's either like Tom driven a Tom-driven drum beat. That's actually quite hard to say. Um, a really floaty guitar riff or a bass riff that sometimes sounds like it could sit comfortably in the middle of a bluegrass kind of song. Um, unquestionably, though, my favourite song of the entire medley is Bloody Mary, Kate and Ashley, which, first of all, fucking 10 out of 10 name. Honestly, so good. And as a straight-edge numpty like myself, I would never be able to relate to this song on a personal level. But... The description of the journey of being on a drug trip, questioning what he's going through and what he's seeing and what he's experiencing, and the way it's all written lyrically is just an absolute blast. Um, and I also I'm going to claim there's like a very there's a touch of the stoner rock about it. I don't know if that's just because I've been talking about quotes a minute ago, but I think there's a bit of a stoner rock element to it all, and not just because it's full of them drugs. Um, Morbid Stuff is the album for anyone who's ever been branded a cynic or nihilist or a pessimist or anything like that. Or told just be, just don't be so negative. Just cheer up. Don't, like, think positive. Look at outside. It's a beautiful day. Fuck your beautiful day. Like, as if being any of those things is necessarily a bad thing. It's, it's not being a pessimist. It's being a realist. And I want the entire... 36 minutes 40 53 seconds of this album to be the national anthem of anyone who's ever been branded as such if you go for the menzingers joyce manor or spanish love songs give this a go if you haven't already pop are just whimsically bleak and terrible and awful and you will love them as much as i do if you like any of those sort of things the band's called pop the album's called morbid stuff it is so true to form and again that's also out now on little dipper because independence day Hopefully it's been seamless transitions, but I really hope everyone's proud of me. I've learned to stop recording every time I want to take a swig of tea, so you haven't got to hear me slurp to myself for minutes on end. You're welcome. This is what I do for you. Final actual album of this week. Gotta stop quantifying them better. Uh, it is album number six from the Washington-based progressive, well, new me- progressive metal titans. Uh, they are Periphery. Everyone knows Periphery. And the new album is called Periphery Fraught. Periphery 4, Hail Stan, which, oh, I'm not a fan of that. I get the whole ethos has been have fun. Personally, just not for me. And that's all it is. Uh, like I said, no, album number six, it is their first album without their bassist, Adam Nolly. Nolly? Nolly? We're going to go with Nolly. Uh, get Good, although he still acted as producer and studio bassist for the, excuse me, album. Oh, there's that T. It wants to be slurped. Um, it's also their first album not on Sumerian Records. They've done they've done a pup. They've made their own record label. It's called Three Dot Recordings. Oh, and I'm, I'm still hardly dying. 
periphery look like, if they haven't already, because I won't lie, a little bit behind the whole periphery train, they look like they are gents equivalent to Corn and Slipknot and Suicide Silence and Bands of Ilk in the way that they have transcended the scene that they came through and now can be judged as a band, not in like regardless of their peers. So whereas before I feel like like early periphery records, they were like, This is good. It's almost as good as when Tesseract did this or um Chimps Banner did that or it's better than that or it's better than After the Barrel or whatever it is. Whereas now you can actually start because they they have got so good and they've carried on going, they'd be consistent and they've like They've mellowed out all the frontman changes at the early beginnings. They can you can start comparing them to a the heavyweights of progressive metal nowadays. So like your Devon Townsend, your Sugar, your Dream Theater. At the same time, you can just treat them as an independent band, which is always fun because they they have their own identity now, which it's a hell of an identity. Um, personally, as much as as much as I've said all that. Periphery have always been a bit of a greatest hits band for me. And it's always down to that fucking thing about prog again. Considering how much prog I've reviewed for this podcast, you'd think I'd start to be accustomed to it by now. Um, songs like Marigold and Feed the Rhino still stand as like massive songs. They are fucking brilliant, those tracks. Um, and given the format I've got now in this podcast, and especially that lead single, Blood Angel, felt like it was high time i gave uh, hi get it pup gave it th- figured it's high time i finally gave periphery a bit of a go so here we are and i was immediately knackered by the opening song uh reptile there are some absolutely devastating riffs on there like the, the album as a whole have that but my fucking god just reptile just tears you to shreds um and I know that's no big surprise for periphery fans. Like, periphery fans are probably thinking, yeah, you're fucking duh. But, you know, like I said, never really got in periphery that much before. The orchestra-backed choruses in the early portion of the song are just fucking huge. They sound so good. And it took me a while to realise what part of it I liked. And I think it was the fact that whereas the orchestra in the background tend to hit the more low notes, you've got Spencer hitting the higher notes. Just that contrast and that clash just makes it sound that extra bit sinister and the extra bit bigger. Um, there's a scratching, sugar-like breakdown in the tail end of the song, which is just hypnotic, and you spend all your time just listening to it. It doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. I'm really sorry to other members of the band who are also doing many important things, but whoever's doing that scratching noise, I'm all about that life. Um, Into Blood Eagle, which still remains one of the heaviest songs of the year. My fucking God, that song goes... Um, from my experience of Periphery and like I've got friends who are big Periphery fans, Blood Eagle is so like separate from a lot of what they've done, especially recently. And I've put against the grain in my notes, but I feel like that's like a really bad way of describing because it, it is against the grain, but that always makes it sound negative. I fucking love Blood Eagle. I would love for an, e- an EP dedicated to this more brutal... It's almost like progressive death metal at this point in my personal stake. And the reason I say EP is because I know a lot of Periphery's iconic sound nowadays comes from Spencer's vocals. And yeah, he can hit every part of the harsh spectrum just like he can for cleans. But for experiments like this, 
as like a personal thing, I prefer EPs instead of whole albums because if it's an EP, everyone can say, cool, you tried something new, that's fine. As soon as it's a full album, everyone else flips a fucking shit and then no one ever buys it, so personal irk. Um, and it's clear from Blood Eagle, from Reptile, and from other songs in the album, which I'll get to in a bit, it's clear not like being on their own label and not being part of Sumerian, who, let's face it, Sumerian helped usher in that uh, gent wave. I know there was a particular a particular label that did it for New Metal and Deathcore as well, but for the life of me, I can't think of it, what they were off the top of my head. But either way, being on that new own label means that they have so much more creative control, so much more creative freedom, and there's no pressure to perform in any particular way. Like, I don't know what um, Sumerian would have said to them, if anything at all, but it's clear being their own bosses has really allowed them to explore and experiment and do different things and if you thought reptile and blood eagle going into this or starting this were examples of them going like let's do something wacky wait till you get to it only smiles i talked about before with blake night two their song doesn't really sound pop punk anymore i think they should give periphery a call because it only um it's only smiles is a huge pop punk anthem that's somehow interwoven with this progressive metal sound and it's got huge huge um guitar solo at the end to finish it all off um i think you could ease if someone had never heard anything on the sound before and you played them it's only smiles you could probably get away with saying it sounds like a very a day to remember kind of song because it's still quite heavy while still being quite pop punk and spencer's vocals are cleanly powerful in the same way that um oh his name was literally right there the fella from my day to remember you know who he is and i'm not at all embarrassed by the fact i can't remember that but it will hurt me emotionally if i can't think of it at the top of my head because i just need to remember these sort of things jeremy no kidding of course it was i've thought of that all by myself didn't have to google anything um so yeah after it's only smiles, uh, you go into Crush, which I think takes inspiration from the Pension song of the same name, and you know what? It's actually kind of on par with the song they did with In Flames, anyways, uh, which was Self versus Self, in the way that it is very, it is very drum and bass infected, and it's still got the heavy metal over the top. I think kind of what people were hoping when they said, "Hey, Pendulum are doing a song with In Flames." Um, Crush gives Nolly the chance. Did I agree on Nolly before? I'm going back to Nolly now. Uh, the song gives Nolly the chance to flex his production muscles, and he's done a fucking great job. It's not overly synthetic. It doesn't feel cheap or anything like that. It's still, and it still keeps a lot of the core characteristics of Periphery, like front and center. You can always still tell that this is a Periphery song, and most importantly of all, whenever anything of this this ilk is done. It barely does anything, if anything at all, to Spencer's vocals. They are so good and so strong and powerful, whatever you, you want to describe them as. They do not need a single bit of like work to their vocals at all. Personal pet peeve when people do that. And you know you've got a good vocalist. Why the fuck would you mess with that at all? I think this is going back some years and completely away from periphery. But when the... Black Eyed Peas had Where Is The Love. Everyone was saying, hey, it's a really great song. That um, 
Fergie, man, kind of cool voice, you know. And then I remember watching something like MTV Day Out or something live, and it had Fergie, and everyone was like, what the fucking shit, she sounds incredible. And now they barely ever touch her voice except for the last two albums because Black Eyed, Be- Black Eyed Peas kill your dreams. But anyway, back to Periphery. After It's Only Smiles and After Crush, you, uh, Sentient Glow and Satellite see us albums in a perfectly serviceable way. They are very Periphery-esque songs. Um, the album as a whole is very, very enjoyable. It is unexpectedly heavy at times. And musically, it is very, very diverse. And I think, again, like I said before, not being on a, not being locked down to an album, but not album fucking, not being locked down to a label has given the chance to be creatively free and just do whatever the fuck they want. And the experiments they do in the album, they have done so well. You can still tell it's periphery. They are just expanding out instead of trying to be a completely new band, which, as it turns out, it's actually pretty difficult because barely anyone can ever get it fucking right. Um, it's if you're like me and you're not completely au fait with prog it is a challenge um, I know it took me a few listens to like concentrate in the first half concentrate in the middle part concentrate at the end um, songs like Reptile will still lose me because you've got about three or four different songs in there all contained within one song the first half with that orchestral chorus sounds fucking hot as fire the end, um, where you've got that, it's very sugar, very technical, yet very, um, like, syncopated. That's cool as fuck. That middle part is just there. It's just some song, which, you know, separately, be fine. There's people who, there's bound to be someone who loves that part of the song more than I do. But I've just never understood why they just slam it all in one instead of just separating it down. You can have them flow within each other. Loads of bands do that, but I don't know. That's just me with prog. Or just me in general, because I'm a weird boy. But I think having songs like It's Only Smiles and Crush in amongst the very periphery-esque songs and towards the latter half, I don't know if it's a, con- a conscious decision, but whoever made it like that, it might be an accidental, it's a really good idea. Because where you've got like all... like Reptile and Blood Eagle will get non-prog fans ears perked in a heartbeat. It did it to me. Um, but when you get towards that half and it becomes very periphery you do start to like waver a bit with the tension. When you've got songs that are so against the grain but yet still core to your sound and still very good, you are going to get that attention back. And yeah, like I said, I don't know if it's a conscious decision. They purposely did the track listing like that or they just bung all together and thought, what the fuck? It's either a very good decision or accidentally very, very lucky for them. So... Yeah, I feel like at this point, no one needs to be described what periphery are like. I think you know what periphery are right now, if you, especially if you listen to this kind of podcast. Um, so yeah, no for fans off, but just know if it's prog that you want, you could do worse than periphery. They are, I would arguably say, well, transcended gen 100%, but they were the standout performers from that entire scene. The album is number six, even though it's called number four. It's Periphery 4, Hail Stan by... Periphery, there you go. So those are your three major album releases for this week. Radkey, you got pop, pop, fucking god dang it. You got Radkey, you got pop, and you got periphery. Too many P's, too many times. Uh, On to open mic then, and it is, like I said at the start of the show, 
Bit of a controversial one. The album is called When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? It released earlier this year. It is by the newest counterculture thing going at the moment. It is Billie Eilish. Uh, it's her debut album. She is from the land of angels in Los Angeles. And she does this for, <clears throat> excuse me, this pop trap kind of musical style. And for a while now, I've been deciding whether or not to class this as an alternative album just outright, whether or not it should be um, up there with Radke Pup and Periphery as opposed to being on an open mic kind of thing. But, and the reason behind that is because it, it's super heavy. It's at times very, very heavy. And it's quite dark and like, I'll go into a bit more detail in a bit, but the, the bass hits hard, the snare hits hard, and it is just quite a gothic atmosphere around the album anyways. But at the same time, trap music has been on the rise a lot the past few years and it's been marketed as a counterculture genre anyways even though it's everywhere so the question is at what part does like how popular does something labeled as counterculture need to be before it's just considered popular music um having said that as i was like going through this on spotify i think the smallest like the least played song on here has got like 200 million streams so i think i figured out my decision and i'm quite glad i put it on up open mic and not anywhere so we good um straight away this has the worst opening to a record i can possibly think of that's more of a me thing happily say but i i hate intro tracks as a as a rule like i don't see the point in them at all when they are 14 seconds of you dicking about with your brother who is also producer i don't give a shit i want it to get in the bin if i could ever be on a room 101 style show or anything like that intro tracks and studio banter in albums would be the first thing i send in there and i would throw away the key and i'll burn the entire building to the ground I cannot stand it, and I just felt like that was very, very important that I got that point out there. Um, apart from that, like, getting past that, bad guy, she sounds like she's caught in a draft as she's going through the, the verses, because, excuse me, um, it just sounds like she's shuddering the entire time, and it gets a little bit too ASMR for me at times, but the like it's a really fun baseline throughout the song. The rhythm in the pre-chorus is super jammy, and I really, really enjoy that. The ending breakdown just hits so hard. This is kind of what I was talking about a minute ago when I was saying about how this album, despite the fact it is not a rock album at all, it is still quite heavy. Every time I listen to this album with headphones in, I flinch. Every single time I hear the snare, because the snare just hits so fucking strong, so fucking hard, and so fucking in your fucking ears, it is just, it's just a ride, man. And I'll talk about more bad guy a little bit later because it's a very uncomfortable track for me, but I'll explain why later. Keeps you around, doesn't it? Uh, On to Zanny, and Zanny. As much as I really want to take the piss out of everything about this song and about this album and Billy Irish just as a whole, Zanny is a really refreshing take on the drug culture in young people, young musicians, just America in general, just everywhere in general. Um, and I think it's, like, considering the hype that's built up around B 
Billy and this album and just the whole ethos that goes around it. I think that message is, well, that take, sorry, is super clever and super important. Um, and I can't wait for when she eventually has her 2007 Britney Spears style breakdown. I can't wait for that to come around and everyone plays this song over and over again like they're fucking clever. Um, and whilst Zanny, like musically, whilst Zanny does show off Billy's ability to actually sing, uh, for which I want her to do like a Mirka style gothic folk metal side project. I think that would be fucking nuts. Um, I think there should, there needs to be a shout out for Billy's brother, um, Phineas, who's also the producer on the album. He's done some acting bits as well. Throughout the album, he does a really, really fantastic job. Um, he is super clever at how to make Billy sound like the core part of the album while still maintaining the like, very dark beat in the background. And just using Zanny as an example, um, she sounds amazing. He knows what beats to use at the right time, which musical pieces to use, to use at pretty much every turn. He just does a really, really good job. And I feel like it's... Like, following on from Will Yip last week, I feel like it's important to show off producers when they are doing a really good job. Um, songs like You Should See Me In A Crown, um, All The Good Girls Go To Hell, and My Strange Addiction, they just go so bloody hard, man. They just... Even com like comparing to actual rock bands and actual metal bands, it's on par. They are every bit as catchy. The lower end sounds are so dark and doomy. And the lyrics are just as emo and broody as, like, well, Pup earlier. Uh, another highlight for me is When the Party's Over, which Billy has described as, it's not a sad song, but rather as more of an angry mood. But it plays. It is, like, so delicate and so fragile. It's just her with a piano, and that's pretty much it. And, yeah, it's just, it's sombre. And I don't even know if I've used that word correctly. That's how sombre it is. Or even pronounced it properly. Um, despite the fact that there is a lot on this album that I can't stand. Like, I hate, like I said before, I hate the silly banter between, usually it's between band members, but in this case it's um, Billy and her brother, which gives it, does give it a, re a really cool, like, punk rock bedroom recording kind of vibe. But there's another part, I think, in, I think it's in Strange Addiction, My Strange Addiction, where she just keeps going, like, I can't, just dicking around again, I can't do this, which is to the bin. Right the way to the bin. Um, you got that. It's borderline ASMR at times, which I know a lot of people go for. It's not for me. I can't stand ASMR. It makes me feel funny. And following off what I was saying about what a lot of people do with vocalists, is like what I'm glad they didn't do to Spencer on Periphery. A lot of vocal effects. I honestly feel that Billie Eilish has a really good singing voice. The very slow, borderline rap, deep, slow going thing it's fine but when she's actually got parts where she can sing she actually does a really really good job um but despite all that i've actually come it took a while but i really do quite enjoy this album um it hits hard there's a lot of really good beats in there there is a natural partnership between billy and phineas which obviously brother and sister and it works really really well which excuses a lot of what i dislike about the album what irks me because a lot of what irks me is more of a personal thing. Like, it's just I don't like banter. A lot of people don't have like opinions on intro 
tracks or that kind of thing. And for some people, they even like them because it is a good introduction to the album, which, you know what, fair fucks them. They're not the one listening to it right now. The one thing I can't excuse, though, and it's a bit too on the nose, is Bad Guy. The lyrics, her age, it's just, it's just a no. It's just, it's, I'm not the only person that has this opinion either. I've seen a little bit about it online, but Bad Guy is musically brilliant, lyrically, at times, a, mm, it's just not enough. Well, it's just too much, I should say. Um, and I feel like, because I want, still wanted like a for fans off thing, because whereas a lot of people listening to a podcast like this will be familiar with Periphery and what they've done before, they may be aware of the name uh, Billie Eilish, but might not be aware of musically what she's like, which, you know, fair enough. So I decided instead of going through actual musician she sounds like because i won't have a fun clue i don't listen to trap music that much i've tried to go for metal musicians that kind of bridge that gap so i think i spoke about it a minute ago mirica that kind of she can hit the really dramatic notes when she needs to but she can also do the really down sulky kind of tones as well that kind of vibes we're going with mirica uh royal thunder which is a stonery doom metal band fronted by a young lady whose name i completely forget it sounds hella windy outside uh so yeah royal thunder as well and also just for the dark broodness of it all woods of Ypres, um to the point where uh, woods of Ypres can be described as suicidal doom metal i've seen before so yeah if you're trying to get in this kind of thing mirica royal thunder woods of Ypres, go for any of them maybe give me i should go you never know it might be banging because I really enjoyed it, and I like all those bands as well. So, there we go. So, that will do it for this week's Desolation Sounds podcast. I really hope you guys have enjoyed it. I've had a lot of fun with this week as well. Next week, we've got Blood Command, Grand Magus, and The Damn Things. As ever, if you want to get in touch, I'm on all the social medias. It's 2019. That's what we do now. But until next week, I will speak to you soon. Bye-bye.